How's it going, Yankee fans? Welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys, Alex and Ryan. Today, we're talking about Oswaldo Cabrera. If you're new to the channel, make sure to like and subscribe. As always, we got daily content coming out. Of course, we got the shorts on YouTube, Instagram posts, TikTok videos, Twitter, Facebook, website, YouTube, the whole lot. Everything you need to follow this Yankee team this upcoming season, you could find right here at Fireside Yankees across all platforms. We appreciate the love as always. And I know you guys love Oswaldo Cabrera just as much as us. And we're excited to discuss kind of his role and how the Yankees have been utilizing him during spring training. Now, we thought kind of... Uh, before spring training began, that he would be in this left field position battle. We thought that he would be a prominent piece, had some leverage there to win the starting job. But it seems as if manager Aaron Boone and kind of the entire coaching staff is having him play more of a utility role. I want to discuss that. I want to discuss where his value may lie in 2023 and how our preference of him being in a super utility role may actually come to fruition. And I think that would be the ultimate uh, best place for him to be. But I want to discuss his numbers so far, where they've been playing and the value he shows and kind of what what our expectations are for the upcoming season, Ryan. Before we dive into it, how do you do today, my friend? I'm doing great. You know, I, I think you make a really good point when you're talking about Oswaldo Cabrera and just the importance of making sure that he's comfortable in his role, right? And I think that that utility role really is the best one for him. Um, you know, kind of looking at where the Yankees have deficiencies, you do look at left field as one of them. And can Cabrera absolutely fill in that position if need be? I 100% think he can, right? He is capable of filling in really at any position uh, that the Yankees need him to fill in besides really catcher and pitcher and probably some first base. But I would have said center field, but apparently he loves center field. So, you know, and I think Aaron Boone's getting him a start there at some point during spring training. So quite frankly, I mean, the dude can do anything defensively. Um, as you mentioned, he's a great defender. Um, you know, he, you know, you can get a lot of good defensive value from a bunch of different positions. Um, we know that we're going to rely upon a lot of rookies and guys that are bouncing back or coming back from injury in the infield. So you're definitely going to need Oswaldo Cabrera available just in case one of those guys go down or in case one of those guys are to struggle and you have someone in Cabrera who can give you good at bats and some good power, right? You know, if you look at Oswaldo Cabrera, right, he's not someone who's going to pop off in terms of exit velocities. He was 18th percentile on average exit velocity and 40 first percentile and barrel percentage though those numbers got better throughout the season same thing with his you know his wrc plus strikeouts to walk rates his woba all that stuff the number that that stands out here is that 98th percentile pulled fly ball percentage this dude pulls the ball in the air whenever he can and if you think of a guy who's a left-handed hitter at yankee stadium or right-handed hitter at yankee stadium because he's a switch hitter you think of his ability to pull the ball down the line into the corners he's gonna get a lot of home runs that way right the yankees are looking at someone who i think personally can hit 20 home runs, 25 home runs, and not play as, as many games you, you typically expect someone to play uh, to get to that number. I think he can get there in 125 to 130 games. I legitimately think this dude has really good home run power. It got significantly better as the season went on. Uh, he was on pace for over 20 home runs uh, in a 150-game sample size. Um, but... You know, if Oswaldo Cabrera is able to go out there and really give the Yankees the bat that they think that they can give him and the versatility, this guy is going to be one of the most valuable players on this team. Absolutely. Oswaldo Cabrera can easily be a long-term solution as a super utility guy. Now, I've been talking all morning and posting articles about this logjam in the infield, and it actually has me a little bit uh, confused, you know. If you move Isaiah Conor-Falefa, you get rid of one of the major logjam pieces. And, and guys, let's let's get something out of the way. Isaiah Conor-Falefa was always, always with a capital everything, meant to be a stopgap solution. He was never meant to be a starting level guy 
long-term on this Yankee team. He was always meant to be a stopgap solution, and he was always going to be displaced the second Oswald Peraza or Anthony Volpe was ready. So moving him and clearing out that $6 million makes a lot of sense. Now, Brandon Cuddy of, N- of NJ.com just said, or actually he's at The Athletic now, uh, just said that Jerickson Profar wants $10 million per season. If you get rid of IKF, you open up $6 million there, you could shed a little bit of money somewhere else, and then bam, you can go and get Profar to compete in left field. But you don't necessarily need to do that, right? Oswaldo Cabrera Caballero left. Rafael Ortega is a guy we discussed yesterday. We really like Rafael Ortega right now, especially me. The way he's been producing, uh, the lefty bat, he's good athletes, three years younger um, than Aaron Hicks, and he's fresh to this team. You know, he's new, he's coming off two good seasons of play, and I think that Ortega could win that starting left field job. I think Hicks ultimately gets the uh, the start to opening on opening day, but I do think that Rafael Ortega could unseat him and dethrone him at some point. Um, I do think he makes a 26-man roster, but Cabrera really, you know, it's kind of interesting because manager Aaron Boone has already said that he sees Cabrera as a primary infielder. He doesn't see him as an outfielder. He sees him as an infielder. Um, nonetheless, he's had reps at left field and right field. He's going to have some reps in center field this spring. Um, and I imagine he does get some opportunities there during the regular season. But the infield situation gets a little bit more interesting when you add Oswaldo Cabrera to the mix as a primary variable. If you look at IKF, let's assume that he is traded. Either him or Gleyber Torres are going to be traded. I think that we can all come to that um, conclusion. I'm leaning IKF. I think Gleyber Torres is more of a deadline piece um, over the summer that you move to kind of fix a weakness as things arise during the season because he has a lot more value. We could plug a a spot with a starting level player in exchange for him because he does have one year left of control in 2024 before he hits free agency. So, you know, Ryan, when you're looking at this infield, how do you kind of see DJ LeMayhew's role unfolding here because you have Oswaldo Cabrera's ability to play multiple alignments and multiple positions in the infield? They have Josh Donaldson conceivably cemented as the third baseman. Um, Cabrera can play second. He can play short. He can play third. Of course, you have DJ LeMayhew kind of playing this, you know, kind of uh, roving role where he can play first base and second base and third base. But there's a really good argument to make that he should be starting at third base. Now, the major con- the major debate is, like, uh, can you – justify benching Josh Donaldson at $25 million. But if DJ LeMay, who's not playing on an everyday basis, you have a guy making $15 million on the bench. So no matter what, there's money sitting on the bench. Could be 25, could be 15, could be Glaber Torres is 10, could be IKF 6, whatever. You know, there's money on the bench no matter what, which way you go. How do you think this unfolds and how do you think, you know, Cabrera and DJ's role kind of intertwine here as these two utility pieces? Yeah, so the way I look at it is that, you know, LeMahieu's going to be the rover. He's going to be the guy playing a lot of first base, third base, um, some second base as well. Uh, but I think he's kind of more of, not not that he's more of a corner infielder now, but I think those are the majority of his starts. Um, as for Cabrera, you can play him at shortstop, which I think is a big, uh, you know, thing there in terms of his versatility. Um, some third base, second base. I think he's going to play some outfield too. I still think he's going to play some left field. I still think he's going to play some right field. I still think that in a pinch, if the Yankees are getting no production from the left field position, you mentioned Ortega or Calhoun's guys who can supplement that position. I look at Oswaldo Cabrera as someone who can do that as well. So, you know, ultimately, I, I view Cabrera as someone who's going to still get his starts, even though there are guys like LeMahieu who have to get playing time, and Donaldson, and, and you have your outfielders as well. I just, I know Oswaldo Cabrera is talented enough to get himself into the lineup as much as possible. I know the Yankees like Oswaldo Cabrera. I know that the Yankees kind of lack that left-handed power, and Cabrera can offer them that against right-handed pitching. So, you know, at, at end of the day, the Yankees, I think, value Oswaldo Cabrera too much to not let him get some playing time. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident, you know, especially with a good spring that, that he's had so far, that he's going to make sure he gets himself in the lineup pretty often. The Yankees were better when the Heat came up. When he started hitting, the Yankees' season turned around, and quite 
frankly, I think the Yankees love what he provides them as a spark plug. Well, yeah, he certainly is a spark plug. And I guess the question is, do you see Oswaldo Cabrera as a starter? You see him as a reserve kind of backup piece. I think that's kind of the thing that a lot of people are wondering. Is Oswaldo going to be, going to be starting the majority of games this year? Or is he going to be coming off the bench? You know, what, how do you see this? Yeah, I'm going to say that I think he starts 125 to 130 games, and that's going to be at a variety of different positions. He'll have some games where he comes off the bench, obviously, whether it's, you know, to play uh, as a defensive sub, a pinch hitter, a pinch runner, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I do think the Yankees get him into the lineup 125, 100, 125 times. I think as a starter, 125 times is a good number. And that's how many games DJ played last year. So I guess it kind of works out well. Obviously, the injuries kind of took his numbers down, but... Um, you know, I do want to discuss one more thing here, and it's kind of the third base position. We've seen Oswaldo Cabrera playing third base a lot over the last couple days. Why do you think that is? Because, you know, obviously they want him to be familiar. They want him to be comfortable stepping into a role there. But, you know, right now, how do you see DJ? Do you think DJ should start at third base? I think we've had this discussion many times. We both agree DJ should be the starter there, even if Josh Donaldson is taking up a big chunk of change. Um, I just feel as though, you know, Glaber Torres, unless you're going to sit bench Glaber Torres, which in that case, you might as well trade him. And, you know, DJ starts at second base. I just don't see how Josh Donaldson makes this team better at third. If you have Glaber at, at second until Volpe is ready to make the jump um, and you bring him up in August or around the deadline so he can take over that job full time, you have Peraza at shortstop, Rizzo at first. You know, third base has to be DJ. No, I, I feel like that's a pretty obvious solution, right? Yeah, so the way I look at it, at least, is that Josh Donaldson is the third baseman starting right now because he needs to figure out what they have in Josh Donaldson. Personally, I would go with LeMahieu. I think I've made it clear that I think LeMahieu is the better player between the two because I think he's a better hitter, and I think that they're going to give you similar defense. Um, but Josh Donaldson is someone the Yankees want to see what they have. They want to know, is Josh Donaldson capable of giving me a 115 WRC plus and really good defense? Is that bat still there, right? Because, you know, typically you look at a guy aging and you say, all right, they're getting worse offensively. This guy's aging. But how does that make sense if he got better defensively? I feel like they're the Yankees. I feel like there's like this weird, like very small chance that the Yankees are kind of right here in terms of, oh, he's, yeah, he's in the best physical shape he's been. You know, he's not regressing. That that player's still in there. And we all kind of look back at our takes in March and February and January and like, wow, we really thought Josh Donaldson sucked. I mean, the signs were right there. But, you know, personally, I think there's a really small chance of that happening. I think, you know, when you look at regressing exit velocities and max exit velocities and barrel rates, that you you kind of, um, you, you know, you can correlate that with the decrease in offensive production. I think the defense had more to do with positioning than physical shape, if anything else. Uh, perhaps I'm wrong about that, but that's just, that's just how I have to look at this, right? I, I think that most career trends point to him not being that good next year or this year. But if he can be serviceable, if he can be a solid third baseman and just kind of not, you know, crap the bed in his starts, I think that you're going to be, you know, happier with his production. I think end of the day, LeMayhew, Donaldson, I, I struggle to think that, you know, that battle is going to be Donaldson's at the end of the season in terms of the third base job. Anthony Volpe is someone who's going to pressure for time, right? I think Peraza starts out the major league team. I think Volpe starts out in AAA. But that means that if Anthony Volpe's in AAA and, and he's killing it in, in, in AAA, right, two months into the year and, and Donaldson's solid, he's not great, he's just eh, right? You know, are, are the New York Yankees really going to let that stop them from bringing up Anthony Volpe, who could be a lineup changer, who can be a leadoff guy, who can give you the threat on the bases, right? You know, this team, if you look at what they're lacking, they're lacking an identity at the leadoff spot. They're lacking, you know, a little bit of speed, right? And they're lacking some infield, you know, in terms of the infield, they have a lot of depth, but they don't have a lot of, you know, 
elite level starters, guys with star potential. Um, I think the ceiling for Volpe has kind of gotten underrated lately, guys. You know, this is a guy who's 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 got the potential to be have or has the makings to be a real star in this league. So um, if Anthony Volpe is able to be the player that he's he's capable of becoming, right? This this is that's a huge swing for this team. Even if you just get a 120 WRC plus, which is definitely really good for a rookie and one of the better outcomes for Volpe, but certainly not superstar, you know, all time great type, you know, production. Um, but if he gives you a 120 WRC plus with good base running, good defense this year, I mean, that changes the Yankees entirely, right? So, um, end of the day, I think Dalton's a starter because number one, you got to figure out what you have. And number two, it is the easiest path for Anthony Volpe to get to the major league. So if he struggles, that's your path right there. Yeah. I mean, look, Anthony Volpe, this spring training has shown that he is ready to make the jump. If And look, for what it's worth, if the Yankees didn't have a logjam in the infield right now and there was an open spot, like even last year or two years ago when they were kind of like, like probably two years ago when they had like kind of this D.D. Gregorius like departure and then they, they trade for Isaiah kind of for like last year. If this was last season and Volpe was doing this, it wouldn't even be a question. It wouldn't even be a competition. He would be the starter. He would be starting in the major leagues this year. Problem is the Yankees have too many guys and too many guys who are starting level players, which is a good problem to have. Um, I ultimately think that unless Volpe is going to be getting everyday reps, there is no reason to call him up. As you said, you're on the same boat, um, that he will start the season in AAA because there's just too many mouths to feed right now. When they have enough reps to give him, when he's going to be playing on an everyday basis, then we will see them call up Volpe. And he's going to be ready. You know what I mean? You're seeing what he's doing in spring training. He's not going to go back to AAA and get worse. He's going to keep getting better. He's going to start to assimilate. He's going to start to adjust to the level of talent. He's going to start raking. He's going to start performing really, really well until the Yankees have no choice but to say, kid, you're up. You know, you're starting at second base from here on out and nobody's moving you. You know, you are the guy. Um, but I'll ask you this. This is another interesting question I had, Ryan. I was thinking about this before. What happens if Oswald Peraza struggles offensively? You know, we saw he, he's doing okay. Like, he, he's, his batting average, um, a little irrelevant. I think he's hitting like 222 over spring training. Again, small sample size, so I wouldn't really take much uh, stock in it. But if Peraza struggles offensively, you know, of course we know he's going to be a good defender. A gold glove level, glo- uh, gold glove level guy. Um, but if he has some struggles um, in the offensive categories... Do you think that there is a reality where DJ ends up playing second base and they elevate Volpe and he takes over at shortstop and they look to move Peraza? Or are they just, you know, are they just going to kind of throw him into the fire and just wait until it sticks? You know, how do you think this kind of unfolds if he struggles in the in the batter's box? Yeah, so the way I look at things with Peraza is that, you know, if he gives, I think the bar for him struggling in terms of WRC plus is a little bit lower for me to be acceptable with his performance than other guys because of the defense at shortstop, right? You know, if he gave me a 100 WRC plus and his, his elite defense, um, that's a massive win for me. And I think a massive win for the New York Yankees, uh, most importantly, uh, my, my personal wins in terms of narratives are not as important as the Yankees winning games. <laughs> uh, but you know, if he gives you an 80, 85, 75 WRC plus, we're talking like, you know, I, you, you just kind of feel like it's another version of IKF. Then we start having the conversation about, okay, as Waldo Cabrera getting starts there, Anthony Volpe is eventually taking over things of that nature. Um, there's a reason why the Yankees shouldn't trade Gleyber Torres. And the reason is because you don't know what you have in your rookies, right? Um, even if it's as Waldo Cabrera, uh, Oswald Peraza figuring it out by the end of the year and ending the year with the 100 WRC plus, 
That means he probably had a stretch where he was really, really, really bad and had to counter it out by being really, really, really good after. Uh, and that's kind of typical adjustments for a rookie. We saw it with Jeremy Pena. He was really, really bad in the middle of the summer and then turned it on September and October, right? That sometimes happens to rookies. Um, so you kind of have to be ready to kind of to uh, weather the storm with the struggles from Peraza and potentially Volpe if he comes if he gets called up as well that you may see at the major league level. These guys are not going to be world beaters from day one. Look at Oswaldo Cabrera. He had like a 40 WRC plus, I believe, in, in his first like 20 games. He was really, he was awful at the plate. Unplayable. He struck out all the time. He didn't work walks. He didn't put the ball in play. He didn't hit home runs. He was really, really bad. And then he turned it around and he ended his season with a 111 WRC plus. These kind of things are going to happen to rookies. These kind of things are going to happen to young players. Yes, Oswald Peraza looked really good last year in his small sample size in the regular season. It was a small sample size. He's still got time that he has to adjust. He's only, what, 22 years old? This isn't like a, a seasoned veteran, you know? Um, so, end of the day, you got you got to be ready to weather the storm for when these guys struggle. And if they do, you have your Volpe. You have your Oswaldo Cabrera. That's part of your depth. Um, you know, and, and patience as well. I think if he's struggling in April, it'll be bad, obviously. But I don't, I don't think the Yankees should press the alarm button yet. I think if it's September, or not even September, if it's, if it's July and August and he still doesn't have any signs of positive, uh, uh, any positive trends, you know, his WRC Plus isn't climbing up, then you got to cut your ties. You got to cut bait. Or not cut bait, but, you know, start thinking about uh, how you're going to transition because this is a World Series now team. So this team can't be kind of, you know, allowing a position to tank just to get that player developed, if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, I totally understand. I think you have to give him a substantial sample size to get used to the MLB game. Peraza has the capabilities, right? He can hit for contact. He can hit for power. Um, he's an athlete. He's got some speed. He can steal some bases. This is a player you give opportunity. You don't, just because they struggle. I mean, think about this. Here's a good argument for you, Ryan. The fact that we've stuck with Aaron Hicks for the last two years as a starter should pretty much guarantee we're going to see them give Oswaldo Cabrera, or rather Oswald Peraza, every opportunity to elevate his game, adjust, and assimilate to the MLB because we've given guys who are not good a lot more kind of a string to work with, a lot more rope, and, you know, they, they cannot give up on a guy like this because they struggled right off the bat, and it's probably going to happen. He's probably going to have some really some really uh, interesting cold streaks where we're kind of questioning, is he a solution? Is he a future solution? And, you know, is he a guy that we can commit to and, and commit to as a reliable option? Um, this is going to come up. These questions will start to arise. People are going to ask them. We know how this. We know how the fan base is. We know how critical we are of everything. Um, but at the end of the day, if we can survive through Aaron Hicks's down seasons, IKF's gra routine ground ball mishaps, we can survive some of the terrible players that we've had been forced to watch over the years. We can certainly survive a cold streak for a young player that's only 22 years old that has tons of untapped potential that we really want him to expand upon. Uh, but guys, I love to hear perspectives below on all the tops we kind of discussed. Broke down a couple of different things in our perspectives. Oswaldo Cabrera, the main kind of focal point of the segment. Obviously, super utility role, I think, is our preference. If he competes for the starting left field job, all the all the better. Uh, but right now, I think Rafael Ortega should win that job if he continues performing the way he is in spring training. Aaron Hicks, you know, probably gets to start because they have some weird obsession with him or he's got some crazy pictures of Brian Cashman. I have no idea what's going on over there, but always happy to hear your opinions and perspectives below in the YouTube. YouTube comments. As always, make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.